Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about a principle that's really, really helpful for us in spiritual growth. Okay, here we go. There were groanings no other man could fathom, sorrow intense enough to kill, sweat and blood mixed as the capillaries in his face burst. Perhaps all Satan's hellish demons assaulted his mind with lies, terrors, and temptations. All it would take was one sin, one slight misstep, even just one thought pattern divergent from perfection, and all would be lost. All mankind for all time. You see, the Gethsemane trial was both a matter of whether or not Jesus would go to the cross and a matter of how, in what condition. Nothing less than a perfect, spotless, blameless man would or could be accepted by the Father. You see, when the stakes are high, the dynamics of the spiritual warfare are really intense. Consequently, Christ's command, his first command, to the three sleepy disciples with him was, Watch! But on they slept, and often so do we. Many wonderful messages, books, radio programs, and other ministries have highlighted our Christian concerns on love, joy, evangelism, giving social and moral attitudes, prayer, worship, etc., but like a much-needed wake-up call, I'm realizing the lack of emphasis within the last day's church overall on this very key scriptural command. In fact, I searched through a database of 40,000 sermons, and I found only one on this topic. Now, to put it in perspective, the New Testament contains a startling number of commands, by the way, not suggestions, to watch, especially for the Lord, as many, if not more, as for loving, two and a half times more than for giving or praying, ten times as many as for preaching or praising, and twenty times as many as for worshiping. The Old Testament rarely deals with this concept of watching, but by contrast, nothing is commanded to the followers of Christ more often. It is said by Bible scholars that when God repeats himself, it is to make clear to us his emphatic intention or direction. In this case, we are given some 20 or so commands. How emphatic does the Lord need to be to get our attention? Despite this, we are generally hard of hearing. It's as if these directives were never given, or perhaps they were a mistake, or simply unreasonable. And unfortunately, I dare say that the vast majority of Christians in our country on any given day rarely give thought to them, let alone obey them. So why would the Lord leave us with a command which he knew we would find unfulfilled for 2,000 years or so? Why keep watching for someone who doesn't seem to come? You know, the Thessalonian believers of the first century were so into it, they got very concerned when a false teacher led them to believe they'd missed Christ's appearing and the rapture. Now, 2,000 years of watching isn't much compared to eternity, right? But I'm convinced that the Lord is completely in tune with how long it seems to us. So, if the blessed event was to be considerably delayed from our perspective... 
Why would he say in Mark, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. That was Mark 13. Wouldn't he know that some would be disheartened and some would even turn to mocking those who continue to obey? Is God being unreasonable here? Or maybe just toying with us? Is he having trouble returning? I'm saying this, of course, all in jest. Why should we continue to watch? Or why begin? There are at least three purposes for watching. First, God is really into testing our hearts. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? God told Abraham to do the unthinkable, the totally unreasonable from our perspective, to sacrifice his son Isaac, to place a knife in the heart of the one person he loved most of all. How could he require such a thing? It was a test. Of course, God stopped him. But even though Abraham believed God would raise Isaac from the dead, can you imagine the agony he was experiencing? And when the Lord put a halt on it, he said to Abraham, Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Yes, a test. In like manner, we have been given what some of us may think is an unreasonable command, yet God is examining our hearts. Will we watch? Now, the second thing. He not only tests, but he trains us to avoid evil. In Gethsemane, Jesus was accompanied most closely by Peter, James, and John, whom he instructed to pray. Well, an hour later, finding them asleep, he said, Why do you sleep? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. You see, there is a definite spiritual strength associated with watching that trains our hearts to stay away from sin. Or, when we leave off watching, our relationship with Christ wanes, and we can even find the world again becoming attractive and enticing. In his parable lesson of Matthew 24, verses 45 through 51, Jesus warned that those who believe that the Master is delaying his coming, can find themselves beating their brethren and drinking with the drunkards. Third, there'll soon be transfiguration and translation, for the command is indeed sincere. It's no game, no toying, and no difficulty for the Lord. The fulfillment is absolutely real. He's coming, friends. When we see him, we will be changed. That's the transfiguration. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. And we'll be snatched up. That's the translation. That's in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. 
And those who have longed for him, who have looked for him to appear, will have an exceedingly excellent reward. You know, Paul the Apostle wrote, quote, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. That's 2 Timothy 4. You see, that's the essence of watching for the Lord, love. So, Christ gave the commands to test our hearts, to train them, and ultimately to transfigure and translate us into his presence. Consequently, I want to watch. But how? Do I need to down lots of coffee? Clothespins for my eyelids? No, it's not a physical deal, really. It's spiritual. Watching simply means to be spiritually circumspect, discerning, and alert, as opposed to sleepy and complacent. Furthermore, it means keeping an eye on the sky. Nevertheless, though it's straightforward, it goes against our grain. You see, our sin nature is to sleep. Oh, not to cut Z's in the physical sense. What I mean is that it's a delight for our flesh to sleep, to nod off, to schnooze. That is, to let the sin nature govern our thinking and conduct. In fact, it often seems that the fleshly part of our being is continually singing lullabies, if you would. But watching is that condition in which we are on high alert. They call that DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 3, something like that. When we rarely care, really believe, intensely so, we watch. It's not an anxious thing, not at all, but it is eager. Watching reflects a state of readiness, desire, and confidence. The Bible says, And what I say, said Jesus, I say to all, watch. Now, this Reverend Carl Hawk added, There's something very sobering about those words, something very pithy. The Lord says it all comes down to just one word. What is a Christian to do whose hope is on Christ? What is a Christian to do in every circumstance of his life, in every age, in every day? Watch. Be alert. Be ready. Stand consciously before the Son of Man. I like that. Now, if you're like me, you'll probably realize that there have been times when you were really pretty drowsy. Much of the church has been sleeping, and Christ knew it would happen. In Matthew 25, and speaking of the last days, he says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. You know the story. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Well, that's what's happening right now, folks. It's midnight, so to speak. And the signs of the times are proclaiming, The bridegroom is coming. And now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Romans 13, 11. So, let's discern the lying lullabies of the enemy, trim our lamps, if you would, and arise. In closing, may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast, and may you realize more of His grace today.